Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast from the Catholic Apostolate Center. My name is Chris Pierno, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Father Frank Donio and Kate Fowler, and we'll be discussing fatherhood with our good friend and longtime collaborator at the center, Jonathan Lewis. Jonathan, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. So we have two two dads on the podcast tonight. Jonathan, Chris, you two. You're not exempt from from this or for answer, from answering any of these questions. So we just <laughs> wanted to talk about fatherhood um, and what that looks like, how that is a vocation to holiness and um, to just living out virtue. We're talking about this right around Father's Day, Father's Day weekend. So we want to honor too um, all of those fathers in our lives and father figures. So let's get started. And Jonathan, Chris, why don't you share a little bit about your fatherhood? You both are, are new-ish fathers. Jonathan, you have two kids. Chris, you have one. Um, so what's that experience been like not only, you know, after getting married, but just welcoming new life into your families. A more tiring experience than before we had kids, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's been, it's been awesome. As I, was, as I was thinking about this topic, I thought about some of those kids books I have for my daughter, who's three, where it like folds out like a new page when you, when you, when you check in and flip the page and it like opens up a trifold or, you know, quadfold. And I sort of feel like fatherhood is like opening up one of those pages for your heart that you enter into a new part of yourself that was always there layered, but you didn't necessarily have a good sense of it. Um, you couldn't see it coming. You couldn't prepare for it fully. Um, and it sort of pulls you open in a much more vulnerable way than you could have imagined. Um, but ultimately it's, it's beautiful and it is that sort of widening and stretching of, of your mind and heart and, and your life in general. Yeah, that's a very eloquent way of putting it, um, for sure. Uh, I, I, you know, I, um, it, I think Jonathan kind of, I think one of the things I really um, will focus in on what he said is that it's always been there, and I, right, and I think that um, oftentimes we're we're we being fathers or new fathers, or however you want to say it, right? Fathers are always like, well, what's it like now? Yeah, their lives really have changed, you know, like, ah, da, da. And, 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 and I think, you know, yeah, certainly. I mean, we now have to think about this, this living, breathing, you know, thing that is not a dog or a cat, right? But, you know, a person with full faculties, you know, it's like, and, 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 and what are they going to get into? And, and, and where are they going to go? And, what do you want their future to be and how are we going to educate them and how are we going to, to pass along the, all of these things. Right. And, and, and there is so much thrown at you um, in both the, you know, spiritual and temporal sense. And, but I think um, some, some, in some way we have been prepared for this, you know, it's always been there and now we're getting to use some of the, gifts and uh and things that we have learned um at least over the period of time prior to fatherhood i think we're always learning how to be better fathers but um and now we get to kind of put some of that into action and um 
so yeah, I, I, I really like the way you describe that, that it's, um, it's always been there and now we can kind of unpack it. And, um, and I, and I think don't want to underestimate the role of, you know, um, as a father, you know, you, I think that there sometimes can be some pressure on you, but I think it's important to recognize that we're not in it alone, obviously not from a, uh, um, of course with our, our spouses, but also just the community of faith too. Um, it's certainly, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it really manifests itself once you, once you, uh, step into fatherhood, I think. What, what's been, what's been some of the things that have been, I won't say easy, but I don't think being a father from what, from watching and, and seeing my own siblings, seeing friends, uh, and, and, having a, you know, seeing kind of close up, but certainly not within, you know, as, as a, a celibate male, I, I don't have, um, I'm not a father in that way. And so like, what's been the, the parts that have you found, and you mentioned this, both of you mentioned this in, in there's kind of these, it was there and now you're, you're making, it's, it's now being manifest more, but what's been the part that has, been not only not just easy, but also the pieces that have been challenging and hard. Um, so maybe a little bit about that. Yeah, one of the one of the wedding readings my wife and I chose was Galatians, the fruits of the spirit, and we both kind of use that personally and together as a bit of like an examination of conscience. The, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And yeah, I think those first two come really naturally, you know, again, not easy, but maybe naturally in family life and as a father, right? Like it's easy to love cute kids. Maybe when they're teenagers, that'll be harder, but, <laughs> you know, having toddlers and a, you know, newborn or you know, baby, that's easy to love and it's easy to see joy. And that's really beautiful. Um, and the hard part, maybe the harder parts are maybe those next two fruits after love and joy is peace and patience. And <laughs> maybe peace is a little bit harder to find or to live into when you don't have as much solitude amid the busyness and, and multiple responsibilities. And maybe patience is stretched thinner uh, a little bit more as you're dying to yourself, as you're loving someone over a long day. <laughs> And a long week and a long month and a long year there, you know, there aren't breaks and respite, especially I think, you know, fondly of the stay at home moms who don't get a break from their day job, right. On set on Friday nights, isn't a break and Saturday mornings, isn't a break leaving work. Right. Um, and similarly for fathers, right. You know, I clock off from my job at five and I get handed two kids, which is awesome. And I love that change of pace. But, um, to me, I think love and joy are easy peace and patience sometimes are a little bit tougher and require more uh, mental and spiritual work. You know, I think the hardest thing for, for me uh, personally has been believing that you can be a good father, uh, that to kind of believe in the strengths and gifts that, um, that we have uh, and every father is unique and how they are going to use them. And I like to say, very often, both to my my wife and 
and really anyone who will listen, that I know my strengths and I play to them uh, as a father. And, you know, I'm good at, I think I'm good at some things and not as good as others, but it, it is sometimes hard to believe that you are good at anything uh, when it, it comes to being a father. And I am often surprised sometimes when I let my, when I let go and I just say, all right, let me just do this. Or like I have to, or you are thrust into a situation where you have to just perform um, that. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, I can't do that. That's interesting. I know he did respond well to that, you know, uh, or I can put him to bed in a way that will not, uh, that will have a good morning. And, and, and I, I think that has been the hardest thing for me is to just like, oh, don't be afraid of the things that I, I think we're so influenced so in many ways by the way that we may have been brought up um, that you're you, and, and uh, positively or negatively. Right. It's always it's all different. Right. And we're always like we're afraid of some things it's like, oh, I don't remember doing that. And so I don't remember that being done to me. And so maybe I shouldn't do that. But, you know, your situation is different and it's not going to be like necessarily how you were brought up or and 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 just being able to just trust in yourself that you have been provided this supernatural power, you know, uh, uh, to, to do. And and yeah, you you might make mistakes and mistakes, you know, certainly it's a lot different than uh, just turning over the pencil and making the erase. You know, sometimes it might be a accidental paper cut or whatever the case may be. Um, but most of the time, I think, trusting in yourself that you can do it, that you, uh, you can take the leap and, uh, you know, even the smallest things, sometimes you can just be like, Oh, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to mess it up. And yeah, you're probably not going to. So. That reminds me, Chris, this idea that fatherhood's not performative. It's like an offering. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, your kids and God receive the best you can give. Uh, I forget who said it, but I think it was someone in college when talking about vocations said that discerning a vocation is just kind of figuring out how you want to die. Like we're all <laughs> not in a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense, right? To die to ourselves and uh, to lay down our life, to offer ourselves for something like Father Frank dies just as much as we do in a different way. Right. And we discern the way God is calling us to use our gifts and vulnerabilities to offer ourselves, right? To die to ourselves. Um, and that's, I think, part of the hard part is when you're used to maybe going to a job and succeeding and having smart goals and good performance appraisals and things like that. You know, you don't yeah, there isn't, a three, <laughs> there isn't a 360 evaluation from your kid. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Um, it's like, well, here's what I think you're not doing so well, son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think... I think that's a hard part too. Is when you're when you're used to getting when you're used to getting feedback or try to succeed. Sometimes it's not about succeeding; it's just about being. And and there, I think there's something, and I really would like to hear the three of you with this because you know, Kate, with your, you know, you you have three children. You, you're married and three children, and, and fatherhood, and and you're all you know, quote unquote millennials. So I, you know, we'll, we'll put the disclaimer there. But fatherhood has changed. The, the way th- that marriage and how raising children is seen has really shifted, you know, from I, I saw I saw it changing in, in my own generation in Gen X, but it, it's very different than than some of the ways that 
that fatherhood was kind of playing out in in um, in somewhat older generation. How would you see more fatherhood today, and and what's the the where where the father's role is in terms of, and especially also in faith. Let's maybe get it get into that piece too. Um, so, but but just in general, and then maybe jump into the faith piece. I you know I I I, I think just even the terminology of. And I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing the way you frame the question, but just the terminology of the father's role. And I think that it very much is a, uh, a partnership and I, I'm much different from, I think, what, quote unquote, society over the last, you know, 50 years has, I guess, I don't know, sort of conditioned us to. It is much more, much more of a partnership and it's not a... And it, it's not as standoffish as as you know it may have been potentially in our parents' lives. Um, it, it, it's just very there are just so many more things that you have to to deal with uh, from a, a practical sense. Um, just decisions about I, I, it's, it's not father always knows best, right? It's we know best as the parental unit. Um, it's and it's more of a dialogue, at least you know, at least that's what you strive for. And certainly in a Catholic, in a, in a, in a uh, we're all Catholic. I mean, in Catholic marriage, we talk about it in your your marriage prep. You know, there's the expectation that you are open to children, and what is that going to look like? And I think even from that, just that very beginning, it's always about communication. And so, you know, even just the the, the way in which you approach a situation, it's not. It's, it's, it's just more of a, a symbiotic relationship with your spouse, I think. Um, um, and, and, and from the faith perspective as well, it's, you, know, it's you I find myself wanting to be very involved in that aspect of what is it, what kind of Catholic do I want my son to be? Um, what kind of Catholic do we want our children to be? Um, and it may be hard to see that when they're spitting at you or uh, throwing things, right? But, you know, there's there are little pieces there that you can lay the foundation for. Um, and I think we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, ways in which to do that and whatever. But, I, you know, I, I to your point, Father, I think it's just things are different. Things have changed, uh, I, I think, just by virtue of the world changing. Um, because we need to, we need to be reactionary. We need to present a united front. You know. Kate, what are you thinking? Jonathan's mixing it up. That's what. Oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's such a that's such a typical move. Yeah, we're gonna throw this. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. I I agree, Chris. I see fathers really stepping up in a way that perhaps previous generations weren't able to, or just becoming more involved and present. I think that I've been very blessed um, and excited, blessed by and excited to see so many fathers being so present to their children and their family life um, in a way that I think is new for this sort of time period. Um, Just active, engaged, I know a lot of dads who do things like go on dad dates with their kids. And um, I'm seeing, too, just a a bit of more of a priority on marriage, too, because 
your spouse and your marriage is what fuel gives you the the fuel to be a good parent. And so when our marriages aren't strong and healthy and given attention to, um, we're not going to be able to give much to our children. So I like what you said about just this teamwork and this partnership. Um, I feel like the father and mother are different, but bring such beautiful charisms and gifts to the overall marriage that you know, at the end of the day, you're on the same team and, and you have the same goal and mom and dad might do that differently, but they're on the same team. And something that I'm really grateful for with Adam, my spouse, is that he shows, tells our boys and shows them like to respect your mother at the end of the day, what did, you know, he'll ask, what did mom ask you to do? Or, you know, did she ask you to do this in this way? Like do it her way the way she asked you to do. So he'll kind of enforce things that are, you know, happening at the home, which is my sort of territory. And then I do the same for him. Uh, I think sometimes the kids will say like, oh, let me go ask mom or dad so that I can get a different answer. And we've been very intentional about trying to say like, what did the other, you know, person say and whatever they said goes. And just again, remind being reminded that we're on the same team. So, um, And yeah, we're all on this figuring out motherhood, fatherhood day by day. None of us are by mean, by any means experts, but, um, it is that journey and it's, it's just a blessing to be, you know, so intentional about it with your spouse and in our instance or in our circumstance too, with our community really being built up by other mothers and fathers. So. So father Frank, I think you're, you're spot on that the social fragmentation and just proliferation of options and mobility of our generation has meant that with too many things to hold, people have, you know, stacked things differently. Moms hold some things, dads hold some things, depending on the marriage and relationship. And I think that's a good thing. (laughs) I think it breaks what can sometimes be unhealthy boundaries there. Um, I think Adam and Chris and myself probably father differently and with different flavors and different gifts that we do different, you know, like I know Adam's great at fixing cars. Like my daughter's not going to see me fixing my car very often or very successfully. Um, (laughs) Chris, maybe this may be the same for you. Um, But, you know, we each bring our own gifts and and share that together, which I, which I think is so meaningful. Uh, And I, I forget the stat, but people talking about this whole COVID post COVID reality that, dad's got to spend so much more time at home that they don't want to go back <laughs> like they're, or at least not full time in, in so many cases. Right. So I am working out of my home office and there's some challenges certainly to that, but there's so many blessings that I get to hold my nine month or seven month old every day during lunch. Right. Like I don't want to go full time into a 45 minute commute and lose two more hours or an hour and a half of time with my family in addition to not seeing him during the day. And I think it speaks to that desire that, that fathers are having, Kate, as you said, to, to spend more time with, with their kids and with their families. And I, and I think that's a positive. It's certainly different generationally, Chris, as you were naming, I think, than what our fathers did, because um, they were responding to the social norms and responsibilities of, of a different time. Um, and I'm certainly grateful for the gifts that this season has provided and look forward to see how that continues to manifest. 
Yeah, I, I think it can't be overstated. It, um, the time is just different, right? I, yeah, totally. The COVID has COVID through everything for a loop and for many things, right? But certainly work has changed regardless of the topic we're talking about. But I think um, there's just been more, we have demanded more flexibility. And because we have seen what, <laughs> you know, like where we want to do things differently, maybe. And not to say that things were done wrong, but perhaps there, you know, we want to fill in the gaps, you know, that it's like, oh, well, here's what I wish I would have had more of. And we are trying to provide that, you know, um, it's not to say that things were were bad or wrong. It's just they were different. And the reality now is different. Uh, and the, the nature of our what we are doing for work is different too, right? Where work light work has changed, uh, and so it has allowed us this opportunity to be able to say we have to put certain things first. Who have been some role models for you as you have become new fathers? Who are people that you look to, or maybe some saints that have played an important role in your life living out this vocation? In a, in a very classic answer, I, I think about my dad and I think about my older brother. So I'm the youngest um, by a decent amount, by eight years for my two older brothers. And one of whom has six kids, the oldest of which is almost uh, 18. So he's in a very different generation of family life than I am with a three-year-old and almost one-year-old. And so it's been neat kind of seeing fatherhood, fatherhood uh, through his eyes, though, at a distance because we live half a, half a country away. Um, but both he and my father, I've appreciated more and more their, uh, personality and styles as I've become a father and aged a bit. Um, especially in those, that those virtues of being like quiet, hardworking, not seeking attention or recognition. Maybe it's the millennial in me that, that, that to whom that doesn't come naturally as I see maybe father Frank smirking over there. Um, but you know, the, you know, Pope Francis talks about the, the middle class of holiness in Gaudete et Exultate, holiness in today's world. And I love that, that section where he talks about um, holiness present in the patience of God's people, parents who raise their kids with immense love, men, men and women who work hard to support their families, right? Like no one's probably canonizing my dad or my brother, though they have certainly wonderful, virtuous qualities. But I have, I have seen, uh, again, at a distance in this season of my life, li not living close to home, uh, and appreciated that, that quiet perseverance and faithfulness and self-sacrifice that I did not appreciate when I was a, you know, entitled teenager. Um, and I certainly appreciate much more now in my own example of fatherhood. What you want to say is you look to your dad and my father uh, is an, was an older dad and growing up he uh, had a job where uh, he worked nights and uh, you know he was just he was just the typical like hardworking, quiet no yeah not flashy but also somewhat like and you know I love my dad it's not and not a criticism, right? But it's just the, the typical like old man dad where it's like, I'm going to go to work and, you know, mom will take care of this. And, 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 you know, 
and 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 so you know it's like yeah that was great you know and and it's it's i know why he did the things he did and i know you know what was important to him when it came to family about being the supportive the the um we talked about in a previous episode the knights of columbus and the importance of the breadwinner but you know the idea of like providing for the family and in it and the importance of that and the quietness in it and just do 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 and right like the things that were done that i didn't even understand because it was important to put me through school or to pay for things and, and the things you don't think about when you're a kid as jonathan was saying um yeah certainly you want to be like that um but i think we, yeah i think we just want to talk about it more <laughs> you know we want to not that we want to be like recognized but like we just want to talk about it like this is hard you know this is you know and and, and that's just not something he did right and i'm sure it was hard um <laughs> regardless so uh, yeah obviously a dad it's it, you look to dad, right? But I think when I think we've talked about this too in a previous podcast about spiritual fatherhood and fatherhood in general, but, you know, um, the, I, the example of St. Joseph and just the idea of um, the protector of the Holy Family, the fact that he doesn't have words, right? That it's quiet, it's unassuming, but yet so powerful. And... Um, for me in particular, um, there's just something about the the silence and let the works and the deeds speak for themselves. And the um, I think it's like we, I guess, as millennials, you know, you, you want to talk and you want to be loud and boisterous. But I try to remember that eh, it's, not always, it's not always necessary. And the quietness and the faithfulness and the devotion to you, the work and the mission of your life to provide uh, for your kid, family, um, there's there's a lot of importance in that. And Jonathan, you wrote a piece for us, I believe last year, actually titled The Silent Missionary about St. Joseph. Do you want to share just a little bit about your reflections on St. Joseph as well? It ties in very well with what Chris was just talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking about that same thing. Just as, you know, one is the the quality of silence, right? I was the elementary school kid who Sister Helen had to pull out of the choir to say, you need to sing a little bit softer in choir, right? Like no one's ever called me silent, um, much to my family's chagrin, probably. Uh, so that's always inspiring in, in its own way, right? That Joseph doesn't get a word in, not because he can't. Uh, but because he he chose a, a silent mission, right? Um, that gentleness of fatherhood, one of those fruits of the spirit that we don't talk about enough, probably, especially with as men. Um, but also hit all the daily martyrdom, right? As a missionary, you know, you don't think of Joseph uh, Joseph as a missionary going from his house to his workbench and his workbench back to his dining room table, right? That that was his those were his missions, and he lived them very faithfully. And I think that's, I think that's really beautiful and a reminder in, you know, I think in that article, I point, I point out, we have all these little saint books for our daughter and some of them tell these like really cool stories of, you know, all the missionary saints and people who did really neat things. And there isn't one of St. Joseph in there um, in part because it probably would look really lame to a kid. <laughs> like he was a woodworker, 
he was the adopted father of Jesus, right? Like what, what can you say um, in comparison with the miracles of Patrick or the missionary travels of Paul, right? But gosh, if Joseph isn't a saint that we need, and I think, you know, Pope Francis was so wise in dedicating that year of St. Joseph. My, my daughter was born in 2019, right before then. And then we had the year of St. Joseph. And then my son was born in, in that year, the next in 2021. 20, uh, and so it's certainly been a lot of time thinking about Joseph in these last years, which I think has been really valuable. Um, I, I think one of the sad things is I couldn't name a 10 dad saints. That'd be kind of an interesting exercise for the four for the four of us, but Father Frank would probably wipe the wipe the floor with us. But I can't. I, I I have a master's degree in theology. There are a couple of us with that degree, if not more, in this room. But I can't name ten, and I think that's a limitation of our, you know, history, our hagiography in the life of the church, um, and something hope that I see probably changing in our lifetime. Right? You see, you know. Louis and Zelly, the parents of Therese, being canonized, which would be the second I think of after Joseph. Um, Peter was a dad, but we know that because he had a mother-in-law that Scripture talks about, but doesn't talk about his fatherhood at all. Um, only his role as, you know, the first pope in our tradition, right? As we talk through that, the, the vicar of Christ. We don't hear about the vicar of how, his household um, and how he lived that out. And I think that's too bad. You know, I think some of the things I'm hearing from you, Chris, in part is... There's, there's not a rich imagination for fatherhood in our generation. And, and I think that's an opportunity uh, for people like us to kind of live into and talk through. There's plenty of Instagram moms who talk about the domestic church and have leaned into that. And I, I think that's really cool and, and inspiring. Uh, but we don't see a lot of examples of those dads. Sometimes the men's conferences take on a bit of more of a testosterone like weightlifting approach, which is cool and is going to connect with a, a group of folks, but again, not every dad. And so I think there's a way in which we need to kind of cultivate that imagination for what fatherhood looks, what spiritual fatherhood and looks like. Um, because I don't, I think we need to re reclaim that in our tradition from the lives of the saints, whether ordained or those middle-class saints that Francis talks about. If, if you were to give, I won't say advice, that's, that's not the best word, but the, how does someone prepare? You know, you're, you're more recently, you're more, you're closer in to the, to having had children, you know? And so, um, how do you, how does someone prepare not only just in general, but, but faith wise, um, for that, or is it just, you know, you kind of, kind of move through things and suddenly there's, there's this child. Um, what, what would you say to somebody who's, you know, who's in that, that period of, of preparing to, to be a father? I, I would first say that, um, you're not alone and you should probably talk with your spouse about what do you want to do? I think those are the first questions that I had were, okay, it's coming. I can see it visually. Like, okay, you know, well, not, you know what I mean? Okay. It's I just have so many weeks left. Okay. So he's going to be here and what are we going to do? You know, uh, like 
you you do want to have those discussions. Don't put it aside. And a lot of those discussions probably should have should start even before you have a kid. You know, as you if if you know, just like you're preparing to be um, parents as a father, right? And and what is that going to look like in terms of our faith? How do we want to um, pass things along? Uh, what do we want to do to maybe like uh, fill in some of the gaps that we had, right? Like, I think those are the kinds of conversations you have with your, your, your spouse. Um, as a father, I, you know, um, I think that there's some, there's going to be a lot of things you can't control. And so obviously prayer and asking for the patience of, you know, um, you know, of all of the dad saints could intercede, you know, that would be great and, and give you some of that patience, that calmness, um, because that's what you're going to need. Uh, I, I feel like, well, I guess I knew uh, in the f- first few days, hours, months is 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 to hopefully provide a sense of calm um, because at the end, you know, you, yeah, you may have the, you know, you may have to, you're going to have a part in like making sure that the child uh, makes it, you know, through the first couple of years and be some of the feed. Right. But, but let's be honest, right. The the mom is going to take a lot of that on and, and um, you just need to provide that kind of the, the calm, the, I guess the understanding, the ear, the help, the support and, you know, when you can and it's the appropriate time, like take on some of that responsibility. Um, and there's going to be plenty of time for you to to kind of ruminate on what does it mean to be a dad. Once you see the child, uh, it just becomes a lot more real uh, and you start to think about like all the things. Uh, and, and so I think you know, asking God to kind of for the calm, for patience, for the opportunity to be open to guidance from the Holy Spirit too, and just like, what is my next move? How do I want to do this? Um, but in a practical sense, planning. You know, I, I think plan. You know, talk talk. How do we want to introduce our kid to the faith? What is that going to look like? Um, you know, yeah, the he may cry or he she may cry, but. It's maybe is it no is it important that we get him, him or her to church as soon as possible? You know, exposure just by osmosis and and you know being there and, and the smells and the bells and the sounds and the seeing and the the like uh, just bringing your new your your child to church in those early days where they're just looking at everything. Um, don't you want them to see, you know, you want them to see these things that are so critically important to your life. They may not understand, they may spit up and, but their eyes are seeing that. I, I just think that there is, you know, if that's important to you, you know, talk about it, plan for it. Uh, that's what I would say in terms of advice. Yeah, I think of three things. One is as you're preparing for a child, no matter what number a child is to be a father is to be a good husband. And so that's the most important relationship that you have to your child is your, and I think Kate, you intimated that earlier is the relationship you have with your, with your spouse, uh, especially in those early weeks and months where practically you're, you're limited or you're doubling down on things. Um, the second, I think 
to be a father is to need other fathers. I, I've benefited just from talking to other dads. Like, what's been your experience been? And I remember one friend talked about when we were talking about like bedtime routine and things saying, Oh, when I, you know, trace the sign of the cross on my kid's forehead every night. And I was like, Oh, early, this was early on with my daughter. I was like, I don't do that every night. I should totally do that. That's a great idea. Right. Sometimes just picking, we pray, we did night prayers, but I didn't do that. Right. And so you pick up different tips or ideas of what your domestic church is going to look like. Um, and I think, you know, it's, Chris, as you were talking, it reminded, reminded me a little bit of like the RCIA process, right? The OCIA that, you know, it's, it's that mystagogia season of like experiencing the mysteries. Like you can't prepare someone fully about what it's going to be to receive the Eucharist. Like you experience it in the Easter vigil and then you have to reflect and enter into the mysteries throughout the Easter season and for forever, really. And I think similarly as, as a father, it's like, you prepare practically for sure. That's a good default. Like Chris was saying, and that's what you want to do. <laughs> so you have control over something, of course, because you have very, very little control, but then a lot of it is just entering into the mystery, right? You have hours and hours of time holding a little kid, trying to rock a kid to sleep. And especially in those first months, like enter into that mystery. What does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it look like? And talk to people about that. I think that that's really meaningful. So we've talked a lot about kind of family of origin, especially you, Chris, um, discerning how to that how we can best or how you can best as fathers um, live out that fatherhood and looking back to your past to other father figures or role models, um, and just how that's also very important. What are apart from that reflection that that you're called to as fathers? What are some ways that society or your communities and friends, what are ways that we can support you in your fatherhood as you're living out this challenging vocation? I think your question of what can we do and how can we support strong fatherhood? I, I hearken back to the, 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 the thoughts about um, there, that there is no right way to do it. Um, and sometimes we, society would like just to put things into a box and the box can be intimidating if you're not, you know, if, um, if you're not prepared for it or you don't know what to expect, or maybe your experience with your father was different or poor or bad. And, and, you know, you, you don't want to emulate things. You want to emulate other things. And that can be very overwhelming. And I think, um, or, you know, you, 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 you had, you kind of were engaged in the faith later in life and you want to make sure that your child has it, you know, as early as possible. Like it can be overwhelming. There's just a lot of things to think about. And I think the way that we can support strong fathers is to support their, um, you know, their vocation to fatherhood. Like this is good and don't criticize and don't, you know, um, you know, Dad shouldn't call out other dad. I mean, we talk about like, you know, moms not calling out other moms. I, you know, dad shouldn't criticize other dads. Um, there's no right way to do it. Um, and I think just the community supports and affirms what you're doing. Um, that's just, people are going to want to do that more. Yeah, good question. The first thing that comes to mind for me is just the importance of men and fathers cultivating authentic friendships, especially dads with other dads. 
I think, especially, you know, during seasons, years of social distancing that has become exacerbated, that the lack of that. And so I think one important thing to cultivate, you know, healthy and holy fathers is just to build a community of fathers. I know I've benefited from that with groups that I stay connected to from grad school online and benefited from that with folks I stay connected to in the neighborhood. Um, but it takes work to, to commit to that and to follow up on that. And it's not, it's not easy, especially when you're prioritizing, you know, other members of your family and kids. So I think finding time for authentic friendship and community, especially people who you can talk with about being a dad, is just really important and, and really missing in, in our Catholic communities, especially. So what can we do as, as church? What are, what are some of the ways that we as church, we, we were talking about society and kind of a more general, but let's zone right in uh, into church and how, how can we be, be more supportive? Because I think we sometimes have some, are not necessarily seeing some of this change that is occurring and that has occurred, not is occurring. It's, it's, it's occurred in terms of, of fatherhood and what that looks like now. And how can we be more supportive as church? That's a, a great question. I mean, I think if, if churches set pastoral plans, individual parishes or dioceses, one of the priorities should be the support of fathers and their practice of faith. I think one of, if not the most significant metric for the passing on and transmission of faith to young people who continue to practice their faith over the long haul is the active practice of faith of their father. The data has, has borne this out, especially Christian Smith's data from the National Study of Youth and Religion. And it's not a new study. It's a decade old at this point, and it's not being deprioritized. It's only becoming more heightened. <clears throat> and yet I don't see that being expressed. So my soapbox is, as, as you know, is always mentorship and friendship. And so the question I always ask is for every parish ministry group event, the discerning question should be, how are we building in mentorship and friendship? Don't have the parish picnic if you're not being intentional about having people who are providing hospitality and connecting people. Why have a parish database if you're not running reports to connect people who live in the same neighborhood with each other, who may not know each other? Um, why have the Knights of Columbus if those men are not mentoring other men? If every single Sunday, dads, young and old, aren't reaching out to other men who they haven't met yet just to learn their name and talk with them. What's the point of any ministry of a parish if we're not building friendship and mentorship into everything we do? Studies continue to show that every every person needs five mentors and to, to continue to practice their faith. And our churches are not built for that relational modality, uh, especially among men. I'd like to just echo that. I think that something that's been incredibly powerful for my husband, at least in the past year or so, is that friendship and mentorship, friendship, you know, lifelong, that's important. But um, he's been meeting with a group of eight to 10 
men in in our neighborhood almost weekly to discuss um, works with Christian themes. So I I know that that is an example of lived out mentorship and friendship that is something that has happened organically in our community, but that has really filled up a lot of the husbands and fathers in our community. Um, And something else that's kind of happened organically, at least in our parish, are family picnics that the families have um, organized as well. And that was prior to the pandemic and is now starting to come back up. And so just opportunities for families also in general to have fellowship, because families, in addition to fathers or mothers, um, can kind of be overlooked just because they're so exhausted and swamped and their schedules are all over the place or they don't have a babysitter, you know, things like that. So just creating opportunities that are family friendly or that can involve the whole family that are fun, but also fulfilling and enriching um, have have really blessed, I know, our, our family in particular. So those are just some other ideas for how there are different ministries or, or events that that can strengthen our fathers and, and parents in general. And I think if we can do that well, I mean, the parish is really the perfect ecosystem. If you were building this from scratch, you'd build a Catholic parish. You'd say, gosh, wouldn't it be great if we could get people of all ages, young and old, but not living in different parts of the city, like in the same neighborhood and community? Like, wouldn't that be neat if we could connect people where they lived with a faith community. That's exactly what a parish is, right? Uh, and, you know, for for the dads, especially the dads and grandfathers out there who are, you know, not young dads, my encouragement to you would be get to know someone else, get to know another, another dad. Um, you know, I bought a house three years ago and we were the second owners of a 1960s home. We've had a lot of work to do. Like my dad's come out once or twice a year, but he lives in Kansas City and I'm in DC. I would have loved a dad from the parish to get to know me enough to say, oh yeah, I can come over and take a look at that with you. Like you don't have to lead a Bible study for me. You don't have to, you know, break into song, but just to walk, you know, sometimes accompaniment is just walking with people in their stuff. And sometimes the stuff is spiritual. Sometimes it's intellectual. Sometimes it's just the human work of life. When it comes to parenting, when it comes to babysitting, when it comes to fixing a dishwasher, I mean, that's just that's just the day-to-day work. And I think, especially if we, we remember that so many people don't have that family support system uh, nearby, down the street, blessed are those who do, but, uh, you know, the family can be that. And I think our marriages would be healthier and last longer. I think our, you know, senior Catholics, those elders in our church would be happier and healthier and holier connecting with younger folks. And I certainly know that I would benefit from those types of intergenerational relationships as well. Well, thank you very much, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure talking with you on the podcast. Uh, Thank you for being with us. And uh, thank you for being such a, a good friend to the center. This wraps up another episode of On Mission from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find this and other Center podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or on our special podcast website, Catholic Apostolate Center Podcast. Uh,